Hi guys. I don't think we'll make it to be honest. What? How? Why not? <laughs> to be fair, I almost didn't make it. I caught Corona at the end of um, at the end of December, so it was a bit. What's that? What's that song? Never would have made it. Never would have made it. We made it. This is your typical team. My name is Jordan. Ooh. Guys, introduce yourselves. I am. Uh, my... <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I'm oh, sorry. The amateurs. The amateurs. <laughs> amateurs. <laughs> this is hilarious. <laughs> I, I could do this all day. Esther, Esther, after you. After you. You go. Okay. My name is Esther. And my name is Cheryl. We just started a side of group. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think we forgot how to pod. Maybe I think you know what? These last two months, I have not moved one iota, as in I've become professional couch potato. <laughs> I've, like I've not done nothing. Oh my goodness! I got I got my bojo steps in to the kitchen. <laughs> in, oh, in, like this pandemic, um, this third uh, lockdown. <laughs> pandemic um this one feels harder and it feels harder to even leave my flat because i just i'm just so comfortable here so even to go out for my little bojo hour um it's difficult it's hard it's hard you have to though like i need to get like i was saying to someone the other day my level of fitness wasn't that great before (laughs) now it's gone below not great so now I need to get it back up to where it wasn't great, that that bit where I was comfortable, so I can start working from there because like, yeah, it's not pretty. I really like your um your euphemism. So it's not bad. It's it's not great. No, it's worse than great. I just want to get it back to where it wasn't that great. <laughs> I, I don't need it to be good. I don't need it to be good. I just want it to get it back to where it it wasn't that great, but it was acceptable, not that great. <laughs> I'm not, making, I'm not making sense. Anyway, let's carry on. <laughs> I think the maddest thing that's happened for me is catching corona. Caught corona and thankful I, I lived to tell the tale. Um, and I was quite lucky because I didn't have like really bad symptoms. Um, but it meant that I had to self-isolate for Christmas, which was a bit wild. Um, so when I was with, when I got the text message, I was like, okay, that's cool. And then you know, obviously, mass is not you know my strongest point. But I was like, hold on, ten days, twenty seventh, Christmas is the twenty fifth. I was like, <laughs> I was like... <laughs> I was like, what? But I was well. Like my family looked after me. Um, I got I did like a little Instagram like um, video reel of, of my day. My family looked after me. I got a little delivery. But besides that, I'm okay. I'm doing right. Yeah. I know so many people that are catching it now. Like, yeah, young people that are getting it and the symptoms are not good. Like I'm hearing it every other day. Oh, I've, I've got it. Like I can't breathe. I can't walk up the stairs. It's mad. I was even listening to the news, um, radio LBC, and I'm trying to be posh. Um, and this girl was, 
LBC. 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 10, 10, 10 a.m. James O'Brien. Listen, never, 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 but yeah, hey, Esther. So you don't watch radio, you don't watch TV. No, nope. what do you do? Do you just play games? I, I play my Xbox. I I have my, all I need. Yeah, this is my survival kit. Bible, Xbox, sweets and water. I'll be fine. Oh, I am a kid. <laughs> and the kids, of course. <laughs> don't be my survival kit. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, I was wow. listening to the radio, and this girl was saying she didn't have any of the symptoms apart from. Um, diarrhea, and for ages the doctors couldn't figure out what it was. Um, it's only now they've been able to um, diagnose it. But that's I got sick of NHS, so just paid thousands of pounds to go private. But the thing, the thing that with this virus is that um, everyone gets different symptoms. That's what that's what's so wild about. That's what's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's what's crazy. Because I had I had um, some headaches, like I had like a tight chest. I coughed maybe for like a day or two, um, and, and I was a bit tired. But that—that that to me is any given Tuesday. Like that's me at work. That's stress. That to me feels like stress. So when my friend messaged me and said, "Oh, you know, like she's got a need to test for it," the moment the text message came through, I took off. My, the the the, te- the minute the text message, came, <laughs> I'm like, oh God, the mo- the moment, the moment. <laughs> It must be Corona this time. No, at three o'clock, I was fine. At three thirty, I had Corona. <laughs> and then my test came back positive. I couldn't believe it. Honestly. Oh my god! The thing is, if your test came back negative, you'd be like, "Oh, what was that cough?" <laughs> <laughs> no, it's absolutely mad. Um, but anyway, it is. Oh so, my yeah. god! Walking wild. What does everyone think of the vaccine? Are we not going to do that today? Hmm. <clears throat> <clears> hmm. <throat> I don't want to do that today. I don't want to do it at all. I don't want to do it at all. Well, what I will say is I need someone to have the vaccine, get pregnant, deliver the baby healthily, then I'll get the vaccine. Yeah. If that is possible. No, I agree. I I, I want to see your baby come with 10 toes, 10 fingers, all their limbs, two eyes, one nose. And it be because they've had the vaccine and everything's all right. Then yeah, cool. Yeah, I agree because I think a lot of women that I've heard are not taking the vaccine because risk infertility or possible form to with my child, um, which is a valid point. Yeah. It hasn't been around long, hasn't been out, you know, long enough, and I don't know how extensive the trials have been in terms of women, um, women that are trying for babies, women that are, you know, you know, pregnant and stuff like that. What I will say is because um, obviously I've been on Clubhouse. Um, oh and there's been loads of um, <laughs> just to drop it in there. Okay. Um, there's been loads of rooms of like pharmacists and doctors and people in that field. And one thing that they said that was reassuring is when it comes to vaccines and medication in the UK, particularly, they are very stringent on not profiting from it. So they will not put out anything that is for profit sake. And they mentioned examples in the past where maybe companies have tried to do that and um, the NHS take them to court. So I think what happens is pharmacies buy it at bulk and then they resell it. So um, um, private companies making these, you can't hike up your 
prices for these things because pharmacies won't buy it. Okay. So the Oxford one, um, where it was, it's made by a charity in the UK. They've actually said we are not making any profit for it, and we are giving it to other countries for free to replicate it over there. And that's really interesting to know because I think the worry is that when money and drugs get get involved, get together, there it causes issues and concerns about it not being of the quality you want it to be at. Um, I yeah. I'm really impressed with like the the networks of doctors, pharmacists, and um, bi bi virologists um, who have come out and um, platforms like um, Instagram, Clubhouse, and just giving people the information and trying to dispel some information. Come on Clubhouse, come on Clubhouse. So do you know what Clubhouse? Yeah, was not made for me and Android user. You need to talk about people and they need to be it for, for Androids because I, I cannot I cannot believe I cannot believe in this 2021 I am being discriminated against. I cannot believe it. Discriminate what's it? Technology discrimination. That's what it is, you know. That's what's happening here. Me, I'm an Android user, I can't use Clubhouse. I feel like I feel like the whole world was on Clubhouse. <laughs> except me. That, except you that has an Android, so just get an iPhone. Like it's so it's so easy to just get an iPhone. I'm not you don't need to go against the grain. You don't need to be the other. Oh, just get an iPhone. It's so funny because I downloaded it. It's because Clubhouse doesn't have Call of Duty on it. I, if you want join Clubhouse, I Call of Duty uh, room in it. I downloaded it, and it's like because I've got so many apps. I was like, ugh, what's this Clubhouse? Like, I don't even remember downloading it, and this I just deleted it and then now I'm hearing it I'm like oh yeah that's what it's for <laughs> it's, so, it's so good my mum's joined it my mum has joined Clubhouse is it worth it I might, I might Clubhouse. don't get Cheryl started you know she's obsessed she's obsessed she loves it listen we could we could talk for the whole show about oh, yeah. the yeah. times where I've now I felt like I don't know who I'm questioning my identity like one of the questions was about race and then apparently if you are um uh half half one parent is black and one parent is mixed race you're meant to call yourself tri-race and then I was like, i've never heard that before and then i had a breakdown whilst i was driving home so i was like oh my god do i not know who i am oh my it's like i think actually i know it's been very controversial as much as there's been some good discussions on there i know there's been some very controversial discussions as well and i know yeah. that there's been like celebrities who and people being cancelled and all this stuff's going on we need to do an episode on clubhouse uh, about clubhouse i think and um, okay yeah i think so but not today today we are talking about um vulnerability i think it's a great time because everyone goes through this period in the new year where you can kind of go into this moment of reflection so i think it's an important time to talk about what it is to be vulnerable um how does it affect our relationships romantically and just family wise how does it affect our relationships with god so yeah i think i think it's an important time to have that discussion Vulnerability is it's part it's part of everything that we that we do. It's part of everything, all our relationships. It's such a broad it's such a broad topic. So maybe we should talk about it like relationships wise, because I think vulnerability. If you're unable to be vulnerable, I think it's only so far and so deep that certain relationships can become. And I think that can be it can be an obstacle. <clears throat> what is the definition of vulnerability? 
as an adjective is described as exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed, either physically or emotionally, that's a vulnerable position, or of a person in need of special care, support or protection because of age, disability, risk or of neglect. So the difficulty with the connotations behind vulnerability is actually very negative. So when somebody thinks vulnerability, they equate it to uh, weakness, being very fragile. And I think vulnerability for us as people is, be, is allowing ourselves to be open um, to, you know, being open and honest with ourselves and our needs to our perspective partners or when we're at work. So I think sometimes we can be emotionally very closed down and this kind of links to our attachment styles. I know Jordan will know a lot, a lot about um, attachment because Jordan is doing some counselling, I understand. He's a counsellor, big up Jordan. Brilliant work. So much respect for that. So I know that it was, was it um, John Balby? Balby? Um, I think in the 70s that he um, developed a, a attachment theory. And there's just there's basically four different types of attachment um, styles which we have, and it's basically from the time that we were born up until the age of two, we actually form our attachment style, and that's due to the care our caregiver and what kind of you know we receive from our main our primary caregiver, which is usually mum, or sometimes in some cases dad, mum and dad, whoever is there predominantly most of the time. So there's a secure attachment which it's very known that not many people have a secure attachment and that's usually seen as the autonomous attachment style. There's the avoidant attachment, which is known as the dismissiveness um, style of attachment. There's the ambivalent attachment, which is that people usually are quite very anxious in that attachment style. And there's the disorganized attachment, which is a combination of um, avoidant um, and ambivalent. Um, and that's usually lots of unresolved trauma within that. Uh, most of our young people in care will be classified as you know, possibly disorganized attachment. And when we look at ourselves as individual, our attachment styles not only impact us as individuals and build up who we are, but it actually um, affects our relationship with people. Because if you're avoidantly attached, which is more dismissive, then you're more likely to be a very self-independent, self-assured. You don't really want love or need love. You don't really feel like you want or need love from people. Um, as a child, you've learned how to kind of be independent and trust in yourself and your own instincts. You kind of dismiss and kind of push people away. You don't really want to be forming that kind of real emotional attachment with people. Whereas if you're an ambivalently attached, um, then ambivalently attached are those who are slightly more anxious and they're quite needy. They want you know, want a lot of approval. Um, they need a lot of reassurance from their partners. Absolutely. And they, there's fears of abandonment and things like that. And if you're disorganized, then you're a combination of the two. So you're more likely to suffer from PTSD. You want, you know, you don't, you don't feel worthy of being loved. You're very kind of emotionally all over the place. Um, you find it difficult building um, secure relationships and attachments with people. And this is all based on us from our ages of one to two from our primary caregiver, which Literally. people find very shocking. That I, actually, it, I understand, understand why, because like your primary socialization is between naught to seven. So when people are like, people, people always be like, oh, but you know, this happened when I was so young. Well, actually, that's when you're forming your personality. That's when you're, that's when you're forming yourself. Before like seven, that's when we're figuring out who you are. and. After, after seven, after about eight, nine, ten years old, um, your personality is pretty much, pretty much kind of set. And that worry, and it's worrying to think that because there are so many different things that could happen in our childhood which would have an impact on uh, the personality formation. Um, so, yeah, really bargaining, actually. We, we didn't want to do this, sorry, but that, that is, that is, it's such an important time in, in some of that. Absolutely. What people don't understand is that actually unresolved childhood trauma. It will be more difficult, difficult in terms of you know psychologically and statistically for you to form secure attachments and build positive relationships with people. 
um, and our attachment style affects our interactions day to day with people. So, so, you know, some of us are, you know, the avoidantly attached people are the people that are likely to be um, slightly more assertive, like I said, for self independent and stuff like that. But then if you're, if you're with somebody that is avoidantly attached, which is kind of dismissive and self-independent and not really want to, to build emotional attachment to people and somebody who's ambivalently attached, who's quite needy and needs to feel secured and, 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 and contained, then how that, that will impact, ultimately impact your relationship. Um, so I think it's so important that, you know, people who have experienced childhood trauma and not just those people, but us as individuals, we understand what our attachment style is like. Because again, it impacts us at work, our interactions with our colleagues, um, family members, family dynamics, our own children can form our similar attachment style if we don't actually get the therapeutic interventions and support that we need to, to improve and better our attachments um, and how we build positive relationships with people. So I think when you look back at it and you think the relationships haven't gone well and you think, okay, why hasn't this relationship gone well? There's obviously other external factors as well, but our, our attachment style is so important. What's the difference between attachment style and vulnerability? So I think with all the attachment, with all the attachments, apart from the secure attachment, you, know, you can say there's still vulnerability there. I think, I don't know if there's a difference. You're more likely to be vulnerable if you have a, an avoidant, disorganized and ambivalent attachment style. That's what they say anyway. You're more likely to be exposed to, to you know, and be vulnerable. But I feel like defining us as vulnerable is also very difficult because sometimes we as individuals have vulnerabilities around us that we are not in control of you know i'm not in control of the, the vulnerabilities of my childhood and, and and my 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 trauma but i feel like choosing to be vulnerable in a relationship this is when the, the difficulty comes in because being vulnerable like for example me speaking about my childhood trauma to somebody that's me being vulnerable opening myself up to possible rejection opening myself up and being up being very honest and I think what happens is that sometimes men are asked to be vulnerable and so are and more men are being asked to be vulnerable. You know, talk about your feelings more. I need you to be a bit more emotional and be more in tune. And then sometimes some women are using that against them. So, for example, they were like, oh, you know, I'm vulnerable because I was cheated on or I went through childhood trauma. And then some in the argument, a woman could say, OK, it's because you had all this childhood trauma and problems and you, all this, you know, and that's the reason why this is not going well, this is not successful. So I think there's a lot of, people opening up then being rejected or it being it's against them and they're less likely to open up and, and and be more vulnerable because of because of this because of their experiences of it being used against them so it's about being able to assess who to be vulnerable with and how to be safe with your vulnerability um but cheryl i know there was something that you saw wasn't it about I've seen of things. relationships it's, 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 it's your, your, your brain is fried <laughs> Right. Me and you spoke about something, and I think it was about um, a relationship between a man and a woman. And a woman was saying that she didn't want she would she didn't necessarily want a man to be vulnerable in his relationship with her, um, which I thought was quite dangerous because actually we do we do ask men to open up. Um, I think I think what's interesting is um, for anyone that necessarily been through trauma or something that we equate to trauma doesn't mean that you do not have childhood traumas no matter how fantastic your upbringing was, most often than not, you can re recollect a time where maybe you have felt abandoned or rejected or um, whether it's at school, whether it's relationships between your siblings, there are things that happen um, no matter how small they are. And a lot of the time I found 
where parents think they're doing the best for their kids, a child doesn't always see it as that because they are a child. They don't have the full understanding and the full gravity of, of what it is like to be an adult making decisions and sacrifices. As a child, you would just see that as maybe at that point, I didn't get what I want. And then you grow up into adulthood um, and you carry those things with you. And then the other side of that is, um, especially with men and black men, not actually seeing an example of a man being vulnerable. And I think that is one of the first, like, that's where one of the first instances of men finding it difficult before a woman kind of interjects or makes them feel smaller than is not actually having the example around them of how to be vulnerable. You don't really see African men cry or talk about their feelings. The reason why we you don't see it because it's not something that's respected and even, even with our with our little black boys. Yes. Comments, you know, the whole idea of, of boys don't cry, I think in the black community has, has gone even further. And it's you know black black boys little black boys don't show yeah. don't show emotion. Like don't shouldn't show emotion, rough and tumble, um they'll be fine, dust yourself off. Uh no, they're they're children. Yeah. So, so they keep hearing that word. So so they keep hearing those words, you need to be strong, boys don't cry. And then they grow up into their adult life and they're like, I need to be strong. I can't cry. If I cry, I'll be weak. And then what happens is you hold on to all of that. It's like a boiling pot and it manifests in different ways. Even things like, I've, he I've heard a lot on Clubhouse um, <laughs> about... <laughs> I heard a lot on Clubhouse where they were talk a lot of women were talking about hating the word strong black woman woman because it denotes that that's all i can be and i can't be vulnerable because that's a sign of weakness um i'm not a strong black woman i'm just a woman there will be times where i'm strong there'll be times where i'm weak weak there'll be time where i'll be times where i'll be ratchet there'll be times where i'll be all different facets and that's okay yeah i think i i absolutely agree that i think like the in like the masculinity about men and particularly black men not being vulnerable and showing their emotions is killing us. Mental health is killing the, the black males, um, black yeah. females, um, young people because of this notion of you know you know strength. And I also I, you know they're not given they're not they've not been given the tools. So for me, you're going to repair a car without the tools to repair the car, and that's difficult. That's going to be incredibly difficult because what you're actually saying is that actually my parents didn't have that because their parents put that in and it's a generational thing as well so um attachment styles pass on from generation to generation so you're more likely to pick up an attachment style because that's the, the attachment style that your mom has if your mother's more avoidantly attached and you know she's more self um, self-independent and she's like she doesn't, she doesn't need to be emotionally attached to people she doesn't need to open up about her feelings then again that's going to possibly pass down into your child so myself i think i've been assessed yeah. as being quite ambivalently attached and it means that in order to create a secure attachment to my child for, for my children, I have to undo, try and undo all the things that have been bestowed onto me. Yeah. So the whole notion of, okay, you have to be strong. Yeah. Oh, you know, don't cry. Um, you know, this and that. I have to undo that. So no, when I'm seeing my children and if they fall down and they hurt themselves, I'm like, oh, it's okay. Give them love, cover them, um, show them it's going to be okay. Tell them I love them. And I actually, one thing that it's not healthy to do as individuals is to shut down the child when they're feeling a particular emotion. So my daughter said to me the other day, oh, she has a worry. She had a worry about something that happened at school. Um, she was playing with something and she knocked down a sign castle and then, you know, the girls were just being a bit funny about it. Uh, and I said to her, I acknowledge and hear what you're saying. 
So I didn't reject what she was her feeling at that moment of time and say, actually, don't be silly. You're not worried. You're not okay to be worried. Don't cry and stuff like that. It's really, are you sure? Well, are you questioning sure? them and making them doubt their own emotions and their own emotions are coming yeah. from themselves. They know how they feel, especially, you know, as a four-year-old. So it's about me giving her the tools to actually acknowledge, okay, yeah, it's okay to feel that way. Here are the strategies how, how we go to help you get um, better the situation. How are you going to, how we, how, give her the tool to how to learn how to resolve things, to build up emotional resilience. Doesn't mean that it has, it's, it's emotional distance, which a lot of us are taught to be emotionally distance. I'm talking about emotional resilience. So learning actually that these things are going to happen and not what are the strategies that you can, you can, uh, I can implement in you that can improve the outcome of the situation alternatively, like ultimately. Um, and it's very, very toxic in our, in our black community and, and our, our black ones. You know, I see a lot of our young people in care. And, uh, you know, a lot of the, the, the black males are just completely shut off from but we, every end part. But we have to talk about why. I think, just going back to your analogy, like, you know, we haven't got the tools to fix the car, but no one's even talking about why the car is broken in the first place. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think the, the issue is, is that, is that um, being almost like numbing yourself, because it is generational, and we can go back, we can go back to as far as, as slavery, because there's 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 a safety in numbing yourself to not have to engage with a constant trauma. There, there's a, there's a safety in that. And so if we if we were in slavery, actually being ambivalently um, connected to people, having a disorganized attachment would be in a way helpful to you because your family members are being sold, your your wife is being you know your wife your husband is being raped. All these things is is, is protecting protecting you in in an unhealthy way, but it's a self protection. Right, and I feel like people because you know slavery is is people talk about slavery being so long ago, but we have to see that there are things that are passed from generation to generation, which now we're seeing as incredibly unhelpful because that's not the society that we live in anymore. But there's there's hang-ups from that. The idea of black men being strong hasn't just come from nowhere. It's come from the fact that society has has stood on the necks of of black men for so long, respond in in such a way that is is hurting and killing us now vulnerability in black women doesn't just come doesn't it, we didn't just wake up one day and, and say we're not doing this vulnerability thing it hasn't served us to be vulnerable before when you're having your children removed from you quick 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 okay. next okay. plantation quick, quick quick do you see what i mean like these are things that we have built up and i think we're in a stage now yeah. where we have the space to be able to unlearn that and i think 2020 2021 has made us stop and force us to take take stock of what it is that we are going through we have we have the arrival of black counselors, black therapists, mm. black doctors, psych psychiatrists, psychologists, everybody um, who are now looking at this as a as a real serious thing in the community. And I feel like generations b below us have got a language where they can where they can talk about vulnerability without it being being weak. Yeah. So it's, it's I think we're going to move we're going to move into it being a more kind of positive discussion around vulnerability for for black men and black women. So moving the discussion along, how does that translate into relationships? So if you've got two people who have intrinsically learnt how to not be vulnerable or, or don't know how to be vulnerable, and then you put them into a relationship, as amazing as it may be, how does that translate into a relationship? So I think sometimes the challenges with two people who have similar attachment styles um, is that your needs ultimately may not be met in a sense um so for example if both people are avoidantly attached um dismissive self um self-independent 
not really, I don't really need anyone. I don't want any, you know, I've had to look after myself. This is who I am. Then actually how, if, and you're both dismissive of each other's vulnerability. So when it comes to emotion, you don't really do that whole side. You're not really going to talk about actually that made me feel a type of way that made me feel upset. That really hurt me. And then therefore there's no acknowledgement of the, the problems that are going on in your relationship. And therefore there's no apology. So actually all you're doing is reinforcing the trauma. So that, that means that you're going to start feeling that abandonment again, that rejection again. And it could have been something, like you said, in childhood that you, that you had, um, you know, you were, had this friendship and this person said they didn't want to be your friend anymore. And then that stood with that stayed with you. So you've got this fear of um, your friendships breaking down, your relationships breaking down. And it can be incredibly difficult with those two individuals. So for example, in terms of like, when you think of a magnet, there's a positive side, and there's a negative side, and those attract. If you put the two positives together, then they repel, right? And if you put the positive to the, the two uh, negative sides, they repel against each other. It's similar to, that, similar to that in a relationship. If you've got somebody who is slightly, who's ambivalent, which is, you know, kind of more needy, a bit more anxious, but more likely to be open and talk about their feelings a bit more, and somebody who's an avoidant attachment, then they're more likely to be a balance, slightly balance each other. Not that both attachment styles are, you know, the greatest, but they're likely to be a balance. And I think that, you know, your needs being met in a relationship is incredibly difficult. How can somebody else meet your needs if you can't meet your own needs? Honestly, if you don't have the tools to meet your own needs. If you haven't had the tools yeah. to self-heal, if you haven't had the tools, you know, for um, self-preservation, if you haven't had the tools for to build emotional resilience, how can you therefore ask a person to do that for you? That's why you have to look to God, because ultimately God can give yeah. you the tools and the strategies to yeah. help and, and help you. People are looking for relationships to heal themselves. This is the problem that we're coming into in some gen in our generations and, and some people, you know. They jump from relationship to relationship to relationship and actually they haven't spent enough time on their own to self-reflect and do the healing that is absolutely necessary for to better or improve yourself um, as an individual. You can't help your attachment style, but you can. there's strategies that you can implement that can improve the way you interact and build positive relationships with people. And that starts with yourself. That starts with yourself and God. If you're, so, if you're assured in yourself and you're assured in God, when you enter into a relationship, that person should add value. It would, it would even be difficult to build a relationship with God, with, God, with God without being able to be comfortable, to be vulnerable. Yeah. So you, you have to, you have to. I think, but this is where the supernatural strength of God comes in because speaking from my personal experience, the best thing I could have done for myself is to stop dating. That was the best decision, one of the best decisions I've ever done was to stop dating and actually reflect on, like Esther said, my childhood traumas, however small or however large they may be, how I am now, how I view the world, the things that I, um, just looking, looking inwards for I bring someone else into my space. Because what I was doing was I was bringing people that reflected the emotional state that I was at, even though I didn't realize I was down there. So I was attracting people that almost needed fixing without realizing that I needed to fix myself. Mm. And the moment that I decided to stop dating and actually take a hiatus from it, it changed my mm. life. Because suddenly I'm making more of a conscious effort now to um, look at the individual that I'm saying, is that a potential partner? Do you, have you got over or have you identified your own childhood traumas? No, I, I think you're 100% right. I think you will attract someone who has similar vulnerabilities to yourself or very different vulnerabilities to yourself because you're almost holding a mirror up to yourself. And so by hook or by crook, yeah. 
whether you want to want to accept your vulnerabilities or not, they will be shown to you. They'll be shown to you through who your relationship is. They'll be shown. To you. Sure. God will find a way to show them to you. Even to go to God to say, God, can you please show me my vulnerabilities? Takes vulnerability. There's a scripture. It's Corinthians two, uh, three to four. It says, and it's Paul speaking. And I came to you in weakness and fear, and with much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of the power. So it's just reiterating that even however weak you are, wherever, however bottom of the barrel you feel like you found yourself, it's in that weakness that God uses you and he moves. Because when we aren't vulnerable, we feel like we can do things ourselves. We feel like we can take mm. on the world. Um, but it's only when, and that's when you find that, you see when God moves the biggest when we're at the lowest. Um, similarly to that scripture, um, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 to 10, says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest, rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecution, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Yes. So when I read that, I was like, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly like you're saying, Cheryl. When you're, if, in order to be, uh, have the best relationship with God, you have to be vulnerable. And it's so uncomfortable sometimes. And God already knows. And sometimes it's so uncomfortable when you're in the place of vulnerability, when you have to talk about, oh, Lord, I feel so, you know, sad or low or depressed or unhappy. But then, at that point, obviously, God, you're coming to God. He already knows who you, you already are. Know, you know? Know. He already knows. So he's like, okay, I've been waiting for this moment. And sometimes God is waiting for us to reach out and acknowledge our vulnerabilities because we, mm. if we go unrighteous, if we go unrighteous, it's it, it's difficult. It will sever our relationship with God because therefore it would be like, well, we don't need Him, and we have to trust in Him totally. We have to give Him dominion over our hearts, our spirits, our souls. And once He takes dominion over our spirits and our souls and who we are as beings then we realise that actually we're going to go into better, make better decisions. And he becomes the, the forefront, the conscious mind, as, a, as opposed to the subconscious. So we want God at, at the forefront of our mind when we're making decisions. We don't want him to be the secondary thing that we look to when we're making decisions. So that's why sometimes in my nature, at times I can be impulsive. And I'm like, actually, I have to go back to God and pray about everything that I do before I do it. So I know that con consciously he's going to give me the right decision and I'm not going to self-sabotage or sabotage something because I put God secondary to, you know, what, what it should be. Seek the kingdom first and all other things shall follow. That just basically sums up what you said. Seek him first and I will give you everything that you need. And I think it's just the same with relationships. I, I think the most important thing when it comes to relationships is making sure that you are able to create that safe space for you and your partner whatever whatever your space your safe space may be may not necessarily be what that other person's would be and often we feel like well if that's how i do it why, why don't you do that and i've heard a lot of men say <laughs> that a lot of the time they struggle to be vulnerable because they haven't afforded them a space where they feel if to do so and and that could be a number of factors whether it's work whether it's stress whether it's children around but actually carving out that time um where you say this is my vulnerable space and in this space i'm able to open up to you 
absolutely absolutely that is really important and that's what that's what children need so that's a very childlike notion children need a safe space to speak up yeah. about when they're feeling upset or sad if home is not a safe space the young person is going to go and look for what they're seeking and what they're lacking at home you see so it's important it's the same thing in the relationship it's no different that everybody needs a safe space to speak about speak up speak up about their feelings and emotions things that are going on with them without being judged and then the feeling of rejected and judgment that come with it so actually listening to what i'm saying acknowledge what i'm saying and then how are we going to better improve the situation finding solutions to better it because actually when you shut somebody down and speaking up about how they're feeling then they are less likely to open up to you again and then they'll go looking to other people and other things for you know for that approval or for that that moment of time that they needed at that at that point of time. I think you see that is really really important, and I've seen that in the kids. I'm like kids, our kids are like that. Adults are like that. And something that came to me occurred to me the other day is when I was thinking about the five love, love languages. I was kind of wondered that sometimes is, is the love languages that we seek as adults something that we possibly lack in childhood. Oh, I saw why do you do why do you do this? This is a new episode. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting a talk. Time, time is running. Time is running. Why are you running? Right, so let's just... Why are you running? That's what I'm saying. I'm actually going to make a note of that. Five love languages impact on adulthood. We're going to do that in another episode because we definitely chose a very episode, um, a very heavy episode. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> bear with us. No, I think it's something we had to think about. Um, and I'm pleased that we did. I'm pleased that we did. So where where would you say both of you are with your vulnerability? Because I, if I'm being honest, I'm not a very I'm not a very vulnerable person. I um I hide my vulnerability because it feels like ick to me, to be honest. And that's not a good thing. I had to work on it. I had to work on displaying, dis- displaying my vulnerability um, in a way that was helpful. Um, <laughs> because I definitely, definitely, I think a lot of my friends will say, like, they've never seen me cry. They've never really seen me kind of, they seem probably angry, probably not very, like, um, like emotional. And I went, I, I went into therapy and I remember, like, talking to my counsellor and, and she was like, oh, like, why are you here? And I was like, basically, like, I don't express emotion very well. Like, I'm not a very vulnerable person. I just need you to just let me know what I need to do and I'll just, I'll be gone. So can you let me know? So maybe fix me. Maybe you can just fix me. Yeah, fix me, thanks. And, and if we could do so within an hour, that would be really, help, really helpful, thanks. And by the end of the session, I was like, and I just, and my mom, and my dad. And honestly, like, therapy got me to a space where I could be like, okay, vulnerability is not a weakness. And actually, there's ways, there's ways of, of being vulnerable that serve, that serve you. Being vulnerable serves you. Um, and I was also alongside the time where I was in my relationship with God. So all the things happening at the same time. Um, I think, yeah, just, just kind of understanding that so now I think I definitely am vulnerable in a way that I'm comfortable with. It helps my communication with men um, who I who I date and talk to because I am I'm quite secure within myself, so I can have conversations that other people might not want to have. I I think similar similarly to Jordan, I'm quite I'm very comfortable with my vulnerability because being a vulnerable person exposed to childhood trauma you're more likely to be susceptible to being in you know, unhealthy relationships, technically. So for me, again, the therapy was very, very important to understand like, who I am, because I was, show, I was always told that you know, showing emotion was a weakness, and I was quite emotional as a child anyway, quite shy, you know, quite, you know, so for me, 
it's I'm in I feel like I'm in a good place now because I'm very I'm selective with my vulnerability I think it's been selective and people who are have gone through certain things they have to feel safe they have to feel safe when they're being vulnerable and now I'm more aware to spot those people who, who, who will allow me to feel safe in my vulnerability and actually comfortable because I'm comfortable with it um and sometimes actually make other people feel uncomfortable because they're not at that that point now it's actually because I'm comfortable with my vulnerabilities you'll I'll get somebody who's possibly more securely attached who's yeah. actually okay with me being vulnerable and says oh that's lovely like, I'm sorry you have to go through that you've been through that but they contain it that that the element of containment is so is so beautiful yeah. so I feel that you know my relationship with God is great I can be vulnerable with God I can be vulnerable with my kids first and foremost I can be vulnerable with my kids but who am I falling how am I falling like you know sitting here oh, okay like I, I haven't been through anything in my life and um, it's going to impact on me um building a relationship with my children I have to be a lot more mindful about what I'm doing what I'm saying my mod my body language my mannerisms my tone of voice and a reparative work is very important for vulnerability as well reparative work understanding that we're not perfect we're going to get it wrong how do we repair it with each other how do we repair it with ourselves how do we repair it with god is that we apologize when we do wrong we acknowledge it and we apologize and i think that's really really important tool that i'm learning to do with my children when i do get it wrong all of those that are struggling with vulnerability definitely start and, and just ask god just ask the holy spirit where you're struggling to just interject and intervene and Absolutely. let him do it for you allow him to like be that allow him to steer that ship for you okay so I, you know when halfway through after we're speaking i had to sit up on my seat like oh what can we do practically? practically in terms of it i think what can we do practically what you know it's, it's, it's difficult but for me practically I think it's important to have time to yourself have time to yourself um have time to reflect have time to pray possibly look at work seeking therapy also um you don't like to journal just voice record on your phone and use that time to reflect on the things that you struggle with personally ask God to absolutely. work absolutely. on those things try not to suppress yeah, yeah absolutely right. try yeah. not to suppress yeah. the the sadness the joy um in accordance to society's yeah. norms if you're at work and you're feeling emotional about it, something you know it's okay yeah. to, if you're in the safe space and you feel like you can cry then cry if we suppress if we suppress what's going on for us it's going to manifest in illness mental health conditions uh, you know sickness and all this stuff anxiety stress um you know which, yeah, which will sure. even can be even more challenging for some so speak let's speak about it it's okay to be not okay it's absolutely okay because you know God has got us. Give it to God. Esther, you took us over our time, oh, so sorry. we're just going to have to wrap up here. Um, <laughs> but before we wrap up and pray, um, what <laughs> you know, I'm not taking any blame in this. I'm giving it all to Esther and being vulnerable. <laughs> um, what business are we plugging today? Yes, I want Something. to plug Dot um, Hitters Academy. Stop Pickers Academy can be found on Instagram. He is run by Deb Baden, um Osakita. Um, I actually went to uni with him, which is, you know, that's why I dropped that in. Went to uni together. Um, and he runs uh, Stop Pickers Academy. It's on Instagram. They're doing um, a lot of work around helping to make people more financially um, savvy, um, understand um, how to invest in stocks and shares. Um, and he does work around people's careers and stuff. Recently featured in Forbes, doing great things. 
um, I attended their, they do like a free consultation and then you can choose to, to go on to do a course um, with them. So I attended the free consultation last weekend and I think, and today I actually signed up for the course today to, to learn a bit more about stocks and stuff because I'm very good at saving money, but I want to sort of invest it and grow it. And I'm sure that um, Stock Pickers Academy will help me to do so. Um, but yeah, it's just really good to see. Um, and it's good to see that when you know, even when I was having the, the consultation, there was a, quite a group. It was a group consultation, so quite a few people were there and interested. Um, you know, quite a lot of black and brown faces. You know, we're, we're doing bits. We're, we're we're doing what we can do. Um, so yeah, proud of of Debison and and um, I think it's him and, and I think one other what they're doing. So that's the the, the business uh, that we're going to kind of support this episode. And um, so we'll we'll put a link on our Instagram page. Um, and I'll send this to him so he can hear. He can hear me talking favorably about Stock Pickers Academy. I feel like I feel like yeah. a lot of young people are taking control of their finances. Like a lot more people are going above and beyond us saving. Like diversification mm. is I'm real. I'm Brilliant, um, yeah. and that's amazing to see. This could take a while. I'll keep it short. No, 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 listen, it's just me. Yeah? You, you two, you two, I'm holding you both accountable for this. Um, we initially thought, and you two can figure it out because either one of you is doing a short prayer. Okay. Well, I, 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 we'll talk to God about this later. Well, either one of you is doing a short prayer. It's been quite a month ago. I'll get that one out. Okay. Okay, I'll do the short okay, prayer. So you do the short Everyone's prayer, and I'll time you. Thank you for bringing us here today. We thank you for your word, Abba Father. We're so grateful to have this platform on which we can share who you are, Abba Father, and we pray that people can see you and us, Abba Father. We're so grateful. Abba Father, we know that there's people out there who do have vulnerabilities, Lord. We pray that they give their vulnerabilities to you, Lord. Abba Father, we know that you are a refuge and our fortress, Abba Father, where we trust in you. We know that you are a rock, Abba Father, and that nothing can harm us, Lord, as long as you are with us. We are so grateful. Heavenly Father, Lord, we know that there are people going through difficult times. People are anxious. People are dismayed. People are living in trepidation. But we're praying, Abba Father, Lord, that they will give all their fears and anxiety to you. For you are a healer, Abba Father. And we trust in you, Jehovah Jireh, that you will be our provider forever and always. Lord, we love you and we thank you for everything you have done for us, for bringing us here today to share your word, Lord. We love you and we live to serve you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Guys, follow us on our Instagram, not your typical T underscore. If you've got a dilemma or a question, email us not your typical T3 at gmail.com. And we will see you next time. Bye. Two weeks. Happy to then. Bye. See ya. Bye.